Welcome to the Lowdown. What a show we have for you today. The Edmonton Oilers are coming around. The Vegas Knights are gone, baby, gone. What can they do? We're going to delve into the meaning of the word docile and tell you all about the Nile Crocodile. <laughs> How could you tune out from that? Sports1440.ca, iHeartRadio, Radio Player Canada. Text or call us 1-833-401-1440 on Twitter at Low Tide and at Declan Kruger. The Lowdown is driven by Wolf GMC Buick. New name, same great team. Find them on the corner of 184th Street and Stony Plain Road, wolfgmcbuick.com. Our guest today, Daniel Nugent Bowman from The Athletic, Derek Montilla from Phoenix Sports, talking Diamondbacks, mayor of Phoenix Sports. That's who we have for you today. All right, let's get to it. The Edmonton Oilers need to recall Raphael Lavoie. It's time. They have six guys playing forward who don't have a point at five on five, and all six guys play on the third and the fourth line. Surely to God almighty, there's room for Raphael Lavoie, who's scoring goals by the bushel full in Bakersfield with the Condors of the AHL. The Oilers are being docile here. They're like the... They're like a cow in the field chewing its cud. They're content. I love cows, but they're not going to win a Stanley Cup. Meanwhile, Vegas Golden Knights, they're the Nile Crocodile. If you don't know what the Nile Crocodile does and why it's probably the most ruthless thing on planet Earth, aside from management of Vegas Golden Knights, look it up. Nile Crocodile. Aggressive? Come on. The Vegas Golden Knights chewed their own arm off to rid themselves of a Hall of Famer. Marc-Andre Fleury. There, his agent was so angry he put out a a, a photo of a of a of a sword going through Flurry's heart. It became a meme online. Vegas doesn't care. They don't care about your mom. They don't care about your dad. They don't care about your kids. They don't care about your family. You are going to win the Stanley Cup in their employ, and if they choose to kick you to the curb later, that's what you do. The Oilers, <laughs> not quite that. Whatever they are is not quite that. And they have to become that if they're going to beat Vegas Golden Knights. If they don't, Connor McDavid is going to win a Stanley Cup somewhere else. That's it. And I know you're happy they beat the Calgary Flames the other day, but don't you let up on the gas here. Put on pressure. The Edmonton Oilers won a game against a really poor team. Worse than them. Now, if they beat Dallas, then we can talk about it. And if they beat Nashville and they go and win four in a row, or if they call up Raphael Lavoie, the Edmonton Oilers are not in the game. They're not committed like Vegas Golden Knights are. And they have to be if they're going to win the division, if they're going to win the conference, and if they're going to win the Stanley Cup. Oilers management needs to be the Nile Crocodile. Starting today. We'll see. Do you have any idea what the Nile Crocodile is? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm big on crocodiles and alligators. I used to watch a lot of Steve Irwin as a kid. Granted, he was Australian. He was an African, but... There's nothing wrong with being Australian. No, for, I got cousins people, who live in Australia. You know, Australians are people, too. I got cousins who live in Australia. Sure you I'd, do. Ne- I'd never go... Just the making it up now. You <laughs> take a rip at the Australians, and all of a sudden, everybody there is a relative of all, yours. Listen, all I was trying to say is that I, 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 I know about crocodiles, and I'll leave it at that. Well, now I don't believe you. By the way, what uh, I do this every year. I need your help. Uh, I have not. Oh, we have a roster move. The Edmonton Oilers have placed Adam Ernie on waivers for the purpose of assignment. So, okay, remember what I said <laughs> said about the Oilers needing to be the Nile crocodile, and they were a cow in a field chewing on their cud. Reject all signals. Can I take that back, please? Could I? 
All right. This one time. <laughs> ah. Okay. Well, you know, stuff happens. That means, uh, now it might not mean Raphael Lavoie is coming up, but I suspect it does. He's playing too well to keep him down there. Bring him up. Put him in the lineup. Let him play 10 minutes. And I know Ernie was only playing four minutes, but the fourth line hasn't earned more minutes. You need a fourth line that's pushing. You need a third line that's pushing. This is a good move if it ends up with Raphael Lavoie in the NHL. Well, that's the show. I have no other prep. Actually, I do. Um, I need your help, and I do this every year. I don't buy candy anymore. I used to. I used to buy candy like on October the 10th, and then I'd eat by the 17th, and then on the 18th I'd buy more, and by the 25th it was gone, and I'd buy some on the 26th, and I'd still have to stock up on October 31st. So I just buy today. What kind of Halloween candy should I buy for the kids today? Do I need to get the big chocolates, you know, like the big bars that are really good and you get one each? Or do you like the little stuff with the little dots in it and the roll, what are they called? Roll, roll they're a little brown, they're chocolate. What are they called? Rollo? No, no. The caramel ones? Rollo? No, we're called Rollos. Tootsie are very, Roll. Tootsie Roll, that's there it. There's, there's a bag you can get with Tootsie Rolls and dots. I love the dots. I can't eat them. We'll talk about it later. But I love them. And then you can also get just normal chocolate bars or Rolos or maybe something else, cherry blossoms. I don't know. Um, what should I get? Let me know. Would you please? Could you please text me? I would appreciate it. one 401 Ideas for what we should give the kids at our house tonight for candy. And we usually get, I'll say like 100 to 110. So if we could keep it on a budget, Low Tide would appreciate that. You know. I mean, I'm just saying, like 110 of those big chocolate bars is quite a lot. All right. Well, I feel, I feel like I, I came out of, like a cannon today, and then seven minutes in, the orders made the move that I wanted them to, and now I don't have anything left. I'm not sure where to go from here. I mean, we've got one hour and 53 minutes to go, and... I had a lot of prep on that one, on that one thing. Um, we can talk. We can talk James Harden if you like. What do you think about the the James Harden news? Yeah, I mean, well, if this was 2017, that Los Angeles that Los Angeles Clippers team is looking pretty scary these days. I think James Harden. Listen, he's older. He plays a game now. Luckily, he doesn't play a game that's too too physical, a la, a la LeBron James, where it's. Head down, shoulder down, go to the basket, get beat up at the rim. Now, LeBron's just incredible. He's been able to do it for so long. Harden does have more of an outside shooting aspect to his game, which allows him to play longer. But Harden is in a spot. We saw this before with Carmelo Anthony when he was around this age. When Allen Iverson was around this age, they didn't want to accept what they were at this stage in their career. They still think they're a superstar. They still think they can be a 30-point-a-night guy, and I'm just not sure that's the case. Harden thinks he's going to go and contribute to this L.A. Clippers team, which is going to make a championship run, and I just don't see it that way. First of all, we talk about being ball-dominant. Russell Westbrook, Paul George, and James Harden have all been ball-dominant players their entire career. We've said it before. It's an old adage. There's one ball on that team. Is it going to be must-see TV for a little while? Yes. Do I think this Clippers team can make a deep playoff run? No. And if I'm Philadelphia, did I get a cancer out of the locker room? 
Maybe. Maybe Daryl Morey had a little bit more to do with that than James Harden did, but James Harden still wasn't reporting to the team practices. He wasn't getting on the team planes, team planes, this, that, and the other thing. I think the Philadelphia 76ers got better with the wings they added, and I think Los Angeles, I think they're going to be must-see TV for a little bit, but I think their their ceiling is a second-round playoff exit. I, I One thing that does irritate me is I'm a fan of the 76ers, is when you tra- make a trade and the, the first thing you see is a 2028 first-round pick. Yeah, like, it's always weird when they're trading ninth graders. Yeah, but, well, know. I mean, these guys are like, you know, the guy who's going to end up being that pick is worried about, you know, the porridge he ate this morning sticking to his ribs until recess. Yes, and the the, tr- the, the honest truth is you're probably not even going to hold on to that pick. In the next couple of years, that pick's probably going to be traded for something else. It's just an add-on. I, I get I get where you're coming from. The picks, I mean, they're they're just thrown in and they they add a little bit of face value to the trades. But how often do they pan do, do they pan out? I remember a while ago, Trey Burke was traded for I think a twenty thirty one pick. Like I mean, it's Nuts. what are we doing here? You know, it's, it's craziness. Yeah, what's going on around here? Uh, MLB boy, I tell you, this is turning into a really good series. Diamondbacks will win tonight. They play tonight, right? Yes. Yeah, they'll win tonight, and then uh, we've got a best of three, and best of threes are. That because managers really can impact a best of three, so you are going to plot. You're going to you're going to force the other manager to overuse his bullpen. You're going to try to get to the starter as quickly as you can. You might put some defensive pressure on the other team by running, hit and run, stolen base, that sort of thing. Do you go too much leather? Do you go too much wood? The, all of those things have to happen. Those decisions have to be made. Uh, I I want Texas to win just because it's a great story. It really is. The Texas Rangers are one uh, them being here and and having a chance to win the World Series. Their their history is nothing. They have nothing. It's like, do you anybody know anybody who was born in the early sixties as as the Washington as the Texas Rangers were as the Washington um, Senators? Do you know anybody who was born in the early sixties who really has not accomplished a lot? And don't include me, okay? Like, just don't. That's that's the Texas Rangers. They haven't done anything. And now here they are, and they could win it all. It's like, I don't know, man. I, I have a hard time. It's like it's like there's a guy who's been racing F1 for 30 years, and he doesn't even have a ride, but somebody you know, gets hurt in practice, and he takes over the car, and he wins the race. That's basically what this would be. you know. Or it's like the Arizona Coyotes winning the Stanley Cup. By the way, Frank Howard died yesterday. We've talked about Frank Howard on this show, because why not? He's a baseball player from the 60s. That's my wheelhouse. He was 6'7", 255, and he passed away. Howard came up with the Los Angeles Dodgers, played for them, left fielder, big-time power hitter, led the American League twice in home runs with 44, didn't win one year when he hit 48, and he was a big-time power hitter for the Washington Senators. And then they became the Texas Rangers, and he did play... Um, 95 games with Texas in 72 before they traded him to Los Angeles. And I'm just seeing he did play in a World Series in 1963, and he won, he, well, the Dodgers won, against the Rangers, and he had a 300 batting average with a home run, 10, 10 at-bats, all, yeah, 10 at-bats, sorry. Home run and a double among his three hits. Big-time power hitter. Frank Howard passed away. Lots of texts coming in. Hey, Tide, Tootsie Rolls are recycled motor oil. Come on now. Come on. People like Tootsie Rolls. I'm just saying. 
I like the dots. You know, if I, if I, like, I, I've had so much in my life, I have some and then I, I have an upset stomach, but I love nibs and Twizzlers. Any kind of red licorice is like, I, my problem is if I had like, if I had 10 Twizzlers or one normal bag of nibs, I'd be fine. I can't stop. What about you? You have any candy like that for you? Yeah, for me, it's generally the Reese's peanut butter cups. They're good. Th- those are the ones that just yeah. go down way too easy, and yeah. uh, there's no stop button when I'm when I'm crushing those. Yeah, um, I don't know if he's really the mayor of Phoenix Sports, but Derek Montilla says he is in his Twitter handle. He also is a snackologist, so we are going to ask him about you know what the best candy is. Um, I see asshat Connor Halley, and I'm calling him that because I mean it. Left me a bunch of Snickers and some suckers here. The suckers are made by Columbina, Fun Mix, Melange, something or other, and Amusement. That's what that word is. And so I've got those things here. And I told, what do I tell people? Not to leave candy and stuff in in the in the control room because I will eat it. I got to put that as far away from me as I can. I'm not eating candy. Well, I think he did it as a favor. He was no. trying to do something nice to you, no, and you're I, turning it around. I went like, to how, the doctor, and how the doctor do said, control your sugar. You're you're not a diabetic, but you're you know you're a little high than you should be. I can't have you trying to kill me. You're all trying to kill me. I'm, I'm just saying to you. By the way, the big news today: Adam Ernie placed on waivers. My belief is that means Raphael Lavoie will be called up inserted into the lineup, and if he scores a goal, then hallelujah, they might have another guy who can turn move the needle a little bit uh, on the bottom six. The Edmonton Oilers are coming around. The goaltending is right with Skinner. The defense is far better than it's been. Still some room for Matias Ekholm to get better. The top two lines are rattling and humming, and whatever else you two had an album called. But third and fourth lines, not not happening. They need to help. And Raphael Lavoie is that. I really did have a lot prepared for that one particular subject. So it's kind of a, you know, inconvenient for the Edmonton Oilers to have done it now. But I appreciate them doing it at all. We will talk to Daniel Nugent Bowman about that at 120 today. We also have NHL rumors in the second hour. Right now, though, the mayor, I'm sorry, up next, the mayor of Phoenix Sports, Derek Montilla, to talk about the Diamondbacks, where they are, how important tonight is, and what it would mean for them to win the World Series. This is the Lowdown with Low Tide on Sports 1440. It's the Lowdown on Sports 1440. We're having a little Merle moment, which is always worth waiting for. It's Twang Tuesday, Lowdown driven by Wolf GMC Buick. Corner of 184th Street and Stony Plain Road. I don't know if he's the mayor, but Derek Montella from the Phoenix Sports says that he's the mayor. Are you the actual, were you elected, sir? Uh, I was not actually. It's kind of it's kind of weird with certain things like that. You can just declare yourself mayor, and people uh, don't really question it. And you know that that's the way it rolls. Yeah, I, I I've done that a few times, uh, and nobody nobody salutes, so it's all good. I see you have a, I I see you have a, a little um, take online going on with your worst candy takes. I, I noticed somebody uh, mentioned candy corn, which is not my favorite. I'll be honest. Uh, are you doing a poll? Who's the leader of the pack and the worst candy? 
Right now, it seems to be candy corn uh, definitely leads the way. There is a certain group that's rising up against fruit candies, which seems oh. uh, to be very unpopular as well, which I did not know. I'm, I'm, I'm a big lover of like starbursts and things like that. So uh, not, not anti-fruit candy. But uh, the worst take I think I saw was just someone that said just all chocolate. And I mean, I get it. If you don't like chocolate, it's going to be hard to like a lot of the Halloween candies. But uh, I, I feel sorry for your joyless life that you can't have chocolate. <laughs> I think half the population would be at more and more would be uh, up in arms over a take about chocolate being a bad thing. Uh, <laughs> this world, I I didn't know what to expect with this World Series, and I still really don't. But what I think we're going to get is a, a long one, and I I think that that uh, it'll be two two after after game four. Uh, but this. You never know, and and Texas is is a team that looked like they were going to miss the playoffs, and then got hot and have stayed fairly hot. Um, I like this World Series matchup. I didn't think I would, but I think it's pretty entertaining. What about you? I I love it, and I think the reason why is because, especially with any sport, when you start seeing the same teams and the same superstars there year after year, it. You know, it's great for those fan bases. I'm sure they're thrilled with it. But for the rest of us that don't get to participate or, you know, learn about new teams or new players, it's, it's just not as much fun. I, I know sometimes the ratings are there, are there because the fan bases for certain teams like the Astros and the Dodgers are, are very big. But this is just both of these teams are just such fun, young teams. There's so much new talent here that are getting introduced to the world. And I, I think especially, you know, with with the two teams that are there the exciting part about it is these both of these teams lost over a hundred games two seasons ago and now here they are in the world series uh and they did it through completely different means that the texas rangers spent a whole bunch of money the diamondbacks did it through a series of kind of savvy trades along with you know a few uh you know a few kind of i guess veterans that they added to mostly their their young guys that they have called up from their system so uh, you know, it's just it, it's it's exciting, especially considering Evan Carter and Corbin Carroll are both on this stage, and for them to get this kind of you know uh, you know this exposure to the country so young in their careers, these guys are going to be superstars for years to come. So it, it's a lot of fun, and and honestly, I think these two coach uh, the two managers are, are very very good managers, and it's fun to kind of watch these two managers you know uh, play play this game of chess you know against each other. It's it's been entertaining to watch especially that first game went into the extra innings already and then you have you know the diamondbacks kind of come roaring back there in game two and and uh you know last night was was a very quiet you know kind of game it was it was an odd game there wasn't much offense and and that's odd considering that here at, at in phoenix when they open up that roof and those those panels in the outfield the ball typically tends to fly a lot better so uh, it was surprising to see that low-scoring game. I, I just think it's it's going to be a fun series, like you said. Yeah, it's it, you know the, the Phillies. I thought the Phillies would beat uh, Arizona, but they won a hard-fought seven-game series, and I and I think we're about to see the same. But it is interesting the bats went south so quickly. I don't think that'll happen two games yeah. in a row. Do you? Well, see, and that's kind of been a problem for the Diamondbacks throughout this season. You know, they they have been a very good team, but the one thing that they've been inconsistent about was their offense. I mean. Their, their offense can, you know, put up a whole bunch of runs like we've seen a couple of times. You know, they, they put up 11 against Clayton Kershaw and the Dodgers in game one of the NLDS, and now here they are, uh, you know, after an, after a night when they had the explosion that they had in game two, you know, with the bats kind of going silent. It's it's inexplicable. It, it's, it's, it's 
frustrating at times to watch because it is an entire team almost it feels like you know going quiet but last night it just felt like they had a lot of opportunities uh and and each time those opportunities uh, either they messed up with an error on the base path or they just really couldn't get that big hit to get those runs in they out hit or yeah they out hit the texas rangers i believe six to five last night so uh it was just you know taking advantage of of the opportunities and and obviously the big home run by Corey seager making the difference in that game you're right i and the 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 thing about the world series or any you know important uh playoff game is that all of the mistakes or or even if they're not mistakes they're just decisions that didn't go uh, the way of your team they get questioned and scrutinized yeah. and it, it it felt to me like that was you know that one really bad pitch but one bad inning uh, a little bit of a mistake on the on the base paths and then some quiet bats these are these are things that just ha- happen randomly and if it's game 57 of the year nobody even thinks about it but very exactly. important for them to to kind of turn that around quickly and almost have a terrible memory yeah that, and that's something that they've worked on all year long is kind of as Tori says, flushing it and, and moving on to the next game, trying not to get too high on the highs when they win and too low on the lows when they lose. But, you know, there's there's definitely some things to take away. I think, again, they the, the opportunities weren't really there, so they really have to try to capitalize on those and, and try to make better opportunities. Uh, you know, there was definitely some complaints from both sides, I think, and in and both games two and game three of the of the home plate umpire and some of their calls behind the plate. And unfortunately, at times, there's nothing you can do about that. So really, the Diamondbacks just have to look to play their brand of baseball. Their brand of baseball typically, I mean, one thing I saw last night I didn't really like was that they they seem to really be swinging for the fences. And I think maybe part of that was that knowledge that I know, that the you know ball tends to fly a bit better when they're able to open up the roof and, and have that building open up a bit more. But their brand of baseball typically is kind of just that small ball getting guys over. We talk about it a lot about handing the baton off to the next guy and not feeling like you need to do it, not feeling like you need to hit three home runs in one at bat, you know? So that's the, that's the kind of calling card of this team is getting guys on base, stealing bases, you know, using their speed to kind of take that extra base or to get guys over into scoring position and, and handing that baton off to the next guy. That fourth pitch to Nathaniel Lowe was a strike though. We can agree, right? Like it was a low strike, but it was a strike. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, again, the, there's, you know, you're, you're going to, like, we really, <laughs> I lost it about the umpires last night, you know, but it's like umpires are going to call a zone, and sometimes the zone isn't that little box we see on TV. But the problem was is that comparatively there were some calls that he made that were strikes in one inning and then balls in another inning, uh, even in the same at bat at times. So it was it was a frustrating strike zone, and I'm sure that was a big part of it. I didn't see the Diamondbacks getting – too frustrated with him, uh, you know, particularly, but uh, they, Tori Lovello did have a run in uh, with the same home plate umpire from last night back on uh, May 12th. I believe he was ejected from a game due to arguing balls and calls with, or, you know, calls and strikes with the, the umpire. So uh, it's uh, there, there's a little bit of a history there. And I mean, I know, I know that at times, you know, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to, I guess, explain why an umpire who is so statistically bad, in comparison to his other umpires, would be calling such a big game of the World Series. But wow. I guess that's a that's a conversation for a whole other day. I suppose it's you know I look at the lineup and I you know I, th- there's a lot of future in a lot of spots of this lineup and and yeah. you, you ne- I never would say oh they're here early or too early. I don't think I don't believe in any of that stuff. But th- they're they're young. Like we're talking about a window opening here, not closing. 
Yeah, exactly. And I think that's the beautiful part about this is it's, it's hard not to have that mentality of I'm just so proud of how far they've come considering how young they are. And it's also hard not to be like, you know, not to basically have the point of view of, you know, look at this experience that these young guys are gaining. So even if this doesn't go our way, this entire postseason run was invaluable for their careers and for the future of this franchise because these guys are going to be here for a while. Gabriel Moreno, who the Diamondbacks acquired from the Toronto Blue Jays in a trade prior to the season, was absolutely crucial to this team throughout the season. And, I mean, the, the numbers were there. Their team was just better with him in the lineup. And, you know, at, at times during this postseason, he's been a big factor. He had two game-winning hits. So, uh, you know, it's he was a huge part of that. And then, obviously, Corbin Carroll. You know, he is our superstar, and the Diamondbacks just so happened to lock him into a contract extension right before he had this incredible – you know, rookie season. So those guys are going to be here for a long time and it's going to be very fun to watch them. I, I agree with what you said. This, and, and that's kind of how we saw this when they made the playoffs. You know, you talk about the Rangers barely making it in. The Diamondbacks had a similar situation where they, they, it, they didn't even win their way in in the final series of the year like they needed to in order to, you know, get, get their postseason bid. They had to wait for a Reds loss in order for them to get their way in and, and basically disqualify themselves in order for the Diamondbacks to get that playoff spot. So, they didn't have the strongest like entry into the playoffs, but it just goes to show you that once you're once you're in the dance, you can do you know you can you can make it as far as you you can imagine. And I mean, the Phillies proved that last year with the final playoff spot. Now the Diamondbacks are here again in the final playoff wild card spot, being the representative for the National League. I will tell you, uh, Derek, that the the text line right now is all over the Moreno trade from Toronto. Blue Jays fans are are upset about that, but. It's my experience in observing Major League Baseball trades. Whenever a team has three catchers or, you know, two or three center fielders and one isn't playing, that's kind of an area where you can take advantage of it if you're a team because there might be a player in there who hasn't been exposed to Major Leagues and is kind of under the radar who might be better in a different situation where he could play every day, and that appears to be what the case is with Marino. Yeah, and honestly, the Diamondbacks gave up a great player in Dalton Varshow. The Blue Jays had the player that led the league in defensive runs saved, uh, and he always did that very well for us here as an outfielder. So he was just an incredible player. His war is going to always be high because of how good he is defensively. But I think, like you said, the trade made sense. The Diamondbacks had a surplus of outfielders themselves. The Toronto Blue Jays had a surplus of catchers. Uh, but yeah, I mean, as a as as a fan of any team, you don't want to see a player that you drafted and had come up in your system, uh, or acquired through a trade in your system, or anything like that, go off to another team and and just have the success that that any you know it's it's just hard to watch. But you're you're proud, you're happy for them, you want to see them have success, but you really do wish it was with your organization. Uh, we've dubbed Gabby Mister Diamondback because this guy has just become that guy for this team, uh, and when you hear especially the pitchers that he catches for discuss, you know, having him behind the plate. They talk about, you know, him being in the trenches with them and that he's, you know, there's a lot of war metaphors as far as, you know, like him having their back and just feeling like that, that they're in the battle together. So there's been a lot of compliments about his play, a lot of compliments from his teammates, and he's just absolutely delivered so far. And, and, you know, the short time he's been here. It sounds like uh, based on what I'm reading here, that sour patch kids are, are leading the race here in Edmonton ahead of even candy corn in terms of the worst. Wow. That's, uh, that I, 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 that's unbelievable to me. I'm a huge sour patch kids fan. That oh. actually is quite disappointing, but oh, I'm surprised. By uh, that, I guess I, I guess chose the difference in our nations. <laughs>
<laughs> will we will we ever come together over candy? Will we ever have peace? <laughs> Thanks, man. Appreciate it. No problem. Thank you so much for having me. Okay, there you go, Gabriel Montilla. Or sorry, Derek Montilla, uh, mayor of Phoenix Sports. Talking too much catcher there. That was a good conversation. I like that. And I read it wrong. I feel badly. Sour Patch Kids are essential, is what West End Robbie wrote. This is an old one. Andrew and I have obviously been um, conversant, or he's been listening for a while. He said, give the kids what they want, old hockey news magazines. Next summer, I don't know where I'm holding the garage sale, but next summer I'm going to do a garage sale. I've got a, I, I sold out of my books. i got to get some more books. I'm going to have books and signed hockey newses. And... I'll sell them all. I guess I got to clean my stuff out of my house. Eventually, I'll be selling the house, and I'll be moving to, uh, I guess, in with you is what's going to happen there, uh, Declan. W- wouldn't it be great if I lived with you? Talk about your odd couple. Where's my Metamucil? Well, we'd save a lot of gas money carpooling to work. I would never let you in my car. <laughs> so what are the advantages? I just whip you up your Metamucil and your protein drinks? And- well, I just, I, I don't need that. It's just, just you know, you got to... Put the metamucil in, then you put yeah. the water in, just stir it up a little bit and bring it to me. Do Should I like God? I, you could do that. Do we split rent or are you covering that? I'm not covering the rent. I uh. will cover half of the rent and I'll pay for cable and uh, utilities. Okay. Yeah, I can get that. I can do it. I can. And then you've got to cook. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. I I can get behind. We this. couldn't live together. We couldn't. <laughs> It'd be like John John Ritter and Three's Company, but it would be a completely different show, and it's just us two. <laughs> I loved th- my dad loved Three's Company. There were things that my dad did not find funny in life that he loved Three's Company. I'd actually probably helped him evolve as a human. You know, I don't know if I've seen too many episodes of Three's Company. I've probably seen a couple. What I John Ritter for me that was Eight Simple Rules for dating my teenage. That daughter. was a sad show because he died when he, he did. was in that show. He did, yeah, it was like the second episode of the second no. season or something. I loved. I uh, John Ritter just uh, was a very funny man, and no matter what he did, he was a very physical comedian. And um, I liked that Eight Simple Rules show a lot. And they tried to continue it, I think, with James Garner. Maybe I'm wrong. They did. It was yeah. James Garner and David Spade who came right. along for the red. And it, it, but people loved John Ritter. So it was just doomed. And I think everybody in that show ended up being in another sitcom or famous somehow. But uh, I was very sad when he died, you know. When, of course, this week we had Matthew Perry die, which is still weird to me. It is. It is. He felt larger than life in a lot of ways because he was. He was, of course, he was Chandler Bing. So. He was. Uh, he was playing pickleball, which uh, I don't. You know, he was probably, you know, working out, you know, heart racing, and then I think he went to the the hot tub or something. And it's sad. Fifty four is too young. It just is. And he made a lot of people laugh. I I saw some outtakes of the pivot episode. Remember that? Pivot! Pivot! Shut up! Shut up! Shut up! (laughs) That's all I have. I I don't really have anything after that. I I will tell you that coming up in hour number two, Daniel Nugent Bowman will join us. We're going to talk to him about, well, the, the, the news today. If you missed it, Adam Ernie on waivers, one assumes that Raphael Lavoie will be recalled. I wrote an article yesterday for The Athletic about that, and we'll talk about that next uh, we're brought to you by Wolf GMC Buick. This is the Lowdown with Low Tide on Sports 1440. Lowdown on Sports 1440. We could play that whole song and I would be a very happy man. Lowdown is driven by Wolf GMC Buick. 
Thanks for tuning in. We're hanging around until 2 o'clock today. The Colorado Avalanche have recalled Caleb Jones, former Oiler, from Colorado Eagles, along with Riley Tufty. We also have a a football trade today, trade deadline coming up. What have we got? Yeah, big one that just came down here for me in Rappaport. The 49ers are trading for commanders, defensive end, Chase Young. Well, good to get him out of the uh, division. Yeah, listen, I mean, he he didn't want to be in Washington any longer. He's an incredibly talented guy, such a classic So case you here. say. No. no, he's incredibly talented. Even listen, he's been hampered by in- injuries. I think he's only played 19 games in the last three seasons, including this one. But it's a classic case of the rich get richer. He's going to be lined up opposite as that edge rusher from Nick Bosa. I mean, imagine Nick Bosa coming from one side and Chase Young coming from the other side. What do you do if you're a quarterback? Retire, I think would be the way. I mean, if you're Geno Smith, Josh Dobbs was smart. He did get out of the division. He doesn't have to face that two times a year. But if you're Geno Smith, if you're Matt Stafford, you're calling your agent, you're saying, get me the heck out of this division. I don't want to face those two guys twice a year. Rich get richer. What can I say? And San Francisco just keeps building. Well, and the Eagles are going to have to face them uh, if they're going to get out of the I think that'll be the NFC Championship That's, if the Eagles make it. 49ers are slowing down a good fair bit here. I think the Eagles are a, oh. a good step above the 49ers. I'll tell at this you, point. the Eagles just, they, they have, always have a tough time against Washington, and they just took off. They just spiked in the second half, and it was gone, baby, gone. I love to see it. Um, I will tell you that the Edmonton Oilers have placed Adam Ernie on waivers. I believe, and I've suggested many times, that Raphael Lavoie should be recalled. I see some, uh, I see Mark Spector saying that it may be uh, Sam Gagne. So, you know, maybe maybe it's not uh, Raphael Lavoie. That would, in my opinion, be a mistake. And I would write an article about that. Uh, great show as boys, as always. John Ritter, great movie. It noises off. Uh, Carol Burnett, Christopher Reeve, underrated movie. Okay, I don't know if I know that movie my dad loved all in the family he thought archie was the best from phil that really that show was groundbreaking it was it tackled every subject that the television had never tackled before and it did it in a funny way but also a serious way and we watched that show all the time you could never make that show now it's way too politically incorrect but it was a great show and i do think it informed and carol o'connor was the bigot on the show or one of them at least and in real life, he was the opposite of that, but he played it so well. And I think that that show, that's another one that sort of changed minds about things. How much do you want to bet they're calling up Gagne instead of Lavoie from Eric? Well, I don't know who they're calling up. I think it should be uh, Lavoie. You know, one of the things that we do in life is we, you know, I will say it's Lavoie, and if it isn't, I'll get 100 texts saying, see, you're wrong. I, I doesn't matter who gets called up. I think Raphael Lavoie is the right player to call up. Jason Greger had tweeted earlier, he thinks it's going to be Sam Gagne as well, and he says he thinks it's going to happen because he doesn't think they want to recall Lavoie to play him on the fourth line. He thinks Sam Gagne is better fit for that role. Do you buy into that? Well, I don't think that Lavoie will play on the fourth line. So you think he'll be a, be, a, be on that third line then? With If he's playing on the fourth line, they're going to play more than four minutes a night. Yeah. The, the Edmonton Oilers have a problem, and it goes like this. They have two nut lines going really well now, and the three pairings are getting better, and Stuart Skinner play, can play goal. But they're playing the top line way too much. They played like 26 minutes. You can't do that. You could this time because it's one game, then a bunch of days off. You have to have your third and fourth line contribute. Right now, they're slow, and they don't shoot the puck enough. So are you thinking McLeod, Holloway, Lavoie with, with Brown and Ernie is the 10th and 11th forwards? Well, I Or the, sorry, the, not Ernie, Brown and uh, Derek Ryan. Well, they'll have 12 forwards, so it'll be... 
Um, Lavoie, I think we'll move up to the, right now it's the McLeod, Holloway, and who was the third guy? Brown, Connor Brown. Yeah. So I think you you might see that third line become um, Lavoie on left wing, McLeod at center, and Brown on right wing. And then they move down Dylan Holloway to the fourth line center, and he'll play with Derek Ryan and uh, Matthias Janmark. That's my guess. And keep Nuge on the second line and have him as a winger. The top two lines. There's yeah. no reason why you would want to mess with the top two no, lines. I agree. Yeah, I agree. They were fire in the last game. They both, like, I think the second line, the Nuge line, had an 8 0 high danger scoring chance edge, and they scored a couple of goals. Um, no, I, I really think that Lavoie should be the guy. Might be wrong. Don't care. Uh, I, it's not a contest. I'm not, you know, betting Jason Greger's wrong. I'm saying this is how I feel. This is what I think should happen, and we'll find out what the orders are thinking. I like that. You're not in the news breaking industry. You're no, in the I'm news not. reaction. No, what I'm in, what I'm in the the business of is telling you what I think the orders should do. I don't know what we call that. It's not a reaction to what the orders are doing. I'm I'm prefacing it. I'm predicting what they should do. I'm like the grumpy uncle who drinks too much and then passes out and hits the cake with his face. That's me. That's quite the picture, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to. Sorry, I was just taking a minute to process it here. That's uh, yeah, quite the uh, the mental word picture you painted for me there. But I can I can get behind that. I, I will say I had not had a drink in a long time. Um, so for those who think that I'm not, I'm not. <laughs> hey, okay, man, <laughs> don't need to tell us. Hey, all right. I got to shut up about it. It'll be fine. Uh, Bert from Soap was the best. I loved Bert. I remember when I first saw him. He he had. So he had so many nervous twitches. He was so funny. Soap was, it came out of the blue. It was at a period of time when there was some great new comedies one year, maybe 77 or 78, like KRP and some others. And so like soap was so good that you like, I wish you'd had it so that you could watch it over again right after you watched it. And so many Billy Crystal, I think that was the first time I ever saw him. So many really talented guys. And the good-looking guy who ended up doing cop shows, he was on there. Uh, Corinne, she was gorgeous. Yeah, that was a good show. That was a very, very good show. Nice pull there by whoever did that. I'm um, looking for the soap cast. Mm. That was a long time ago. Susan Harris was the creator um, Jessica Tate, that was the lead character. Um, Richard Mulligan was Bert. Um, Billy Crystal was Jody. Um, Diana Canova was Corinne. She was beautiful. I, the, I do remember. Oh, Robert Guillaume, of course, he was Benson in that. And then he went on to his own show, Benson. I'd forgotten about that. That's funny. John Biner was in there. He was the detective. Yeah, that was a great show. Not that I'm in any way, any way, trying to derail the show, but we still need your candy takes. What's the best candy for me to buy? Sources all over say not Lavoie. I think Gagne. Well, you could be right. I'm not predicting it. I'm saying that I think Lavoie is the guy they should recall. Please understand that. I'm not saying... I've heard through the grapevine. I haven't heard. Nobody tells me anything. I prefer it that way. But I'm telling you what they should do. 
And you're like, well, what do you know? Well, let me tell you. I've watched the games, and I, they're very good. He's on a pace. Right now he has four goals in five games down there. Added to his 13 goals in the final 24 games a year ago. And if he were to play in the minors for 72 games, the full schedule this year, he'd have 42 goals. Now, that never happens. A guy who's on that goal-scoring pace would always either get recalled or get traded to a team that was going to play him more. But they have the cap room to do it. If they Now, they've waived Ernie. Uh, they could recall Lavoie and have about 280000 in cap room remaining. They could do the same with Gagne. I'm not saying it won't be Gagne. I'm saying it should be Raphael Lavoie. We have to make sure we understand each other. I am not predicting Lavoie is going to be recalled. In fact, Ken Holland is the kind of guy who wouldn't do it. I'm suggesting he should be the kind of guy who does it. And as I said earlier, I think Vegas Golden Knights are miles better than the Edmonton Oilers at reacting. The Oilers mull, they ponder. Vegas goes casino or Michael Corleone on anybody who's not productive. They'll they'll chew their leg off to get rid of a Hall of Fame goalie in Marc-Andre Fleury. The Oilers are not that. They're not that team. And I think they should be a little more. They should be a little less, you know, respect of, of, of people. Just get it done. Be aggressive. Vegas is. Colorado is. Tampa Bay is. Hmm. What are those teams? Oh, wait a minute. They've all won Stanley Cups. Oilers are pondering, sending down a three-minute and 47-minute-a-night winger for a while. And if they call up Gagne, they call up Gagne. Gagne's having a hell of a hell of a run down there. He's playing very well. I think Lavoie is the guy they should should recall. And I think he should replace Dylan Holloway in the third line. Holloway's not scoring. And he's not I don't think he I think he's a good player. I think he's fast, but he's not offensive. They need somebody on the line to score. You put him with Connor Brown, who's a really responsible two way guy. You put him with Ryan McLeod, then he's got a chance. Where would Lavoie play, though? Where would he fit? I just said left wing, which is his natural position, even though he's right-handed, with McLeod and Connor Brown. Give him a, like, give him a shot. You know, this whole thing about, well, he's got to earn what? Dylan Holloway's not earning one damn thing. Nobody on the third or fourth line can go into the coach and say, what are you doing? Moving me down the depth chart. Yes, and if it doesn't work, we're moving you to Bakersfield like we did with Adam Ernie. The owner's got to get a lot tougher with the people that are on the roster. I'm not saying yell at them. I'm saying use playing time as a hammer. And right now the third line is because the other lines are going well, it would be ludicrous, ludicrous to break up the first or the second line. The third line needs help. Well, they what do they need? They need shots on goal. What does Lavoie do? Volume shooter with a great shot, a fantastic release, and a hell of a lot of torque. You know, the Edmonton Oilers are ponderous at times, and this is one of those times. And they shouldn't be. You know, you they owe it to the fans to do the right thing and recall the right guy. And if it's if it's if you're gonna recall former Oilers up, that's fine. And maybe Gagne is the answer. But I I do not understand. The two things I do not understand about Raphael Lavoie are, number one, why he's not here already. 
And number two, why there's the hesitation to put him into a more prominent position. The Oilers aren't so good on the third line that they're going to, oh, let's not break that up. Are you kidding me? They've scored zero goals. You need to break that up. This is not, you are not talking about the 1987 Edmonton Oilers here. Nobody shoots in the bottom six. This guy, all he does is shoot. He shoots during the anthem. I don't know who they're going to recall. I don't have any clue. I don't talk to anybody. I will tell you, they should recall Raphael Lavoie. That's a fact. He's earned it. What will they do? Don't know. Could the next move be sending down Holloway and recalling Lavoie if the Gagne signing is accurate? From Chris. I don't know. I think if you recall, let's say they recall Sam Gagne. You'd want to put him in the lineup and you'd want to see what he can do. And Holloway is very fast, so he can do some things. And he's outscoring. Like I think his, I think his expected goals are over 50% by some, some amount. So sooner or later, the worm will turn and somebody will score while he's on the ice. But I think you bring up one guy and then you see how that goes. And then you hope that that third line gets ignited. Like, let's say it's Gagne. Um, I guess he'd have to be at left wing with McLeod and Brown. Maybe that line takes off. So then there's less pressure. And Holloway, maybe he has a good run with the veterans on the fourth line. What you really need to do is to play... McDavid and Dreisaitl less than 26 minutes a night. Okay. So we will talk to Daniel Nugent-Bowman. He's got inside stuff. He'll be on the way in hour number two. On the way next, it's Hockey Rumors. This is the Lowdown with Low Tide on Sports 1440. This is a Sports 1440 update. And for your sports 1440 update, just two games in the NHL tonight, Kings and Leafs at 6, and then Predators and Canucks at 8. Oilers news, Adam Erne has been placed on waivers for the purpose of assignment and around the NHL. Boston Bruins defenseman Charlie McAvoy will have a hearing, to on, will have a hearing today for an illegal check to the head on Florida Panthers defenseman Oliver ekman Larson. The hearing will take place over the phone, meaning his suspension will be five games or less. The English Ice Hockey Association, following the on-ice death of former NHL player Adam Johnson, has announced that neck guards and protectors will be mandatory for the league in 2024. NFL News, the Commanders and Bears have agreed to a trade that will send defensive end Montez Sweat to Chicago for a 2024 second-round pick. And shockingly, the Washington Commanders are also dealing defensive end Chase Young to the San Francisco 49ers for a third-round pick. Vikings trading for Cardinals quarterback Josh Dobbs as well with the deadline looming. Three games in the NBA today, Knicks and Cavs at 5.30, Spurs and Suns at 8, and finally the Magic and the Clippers at 8.30. Well, the World Series rolls on, Rangers and Diamondbacks game four, first pitch just after six, the Rangers lead that series 2-1. And there are three games in the AJHL tonight, Cam Rose at Drayton Valley, Okotoks at Olds, and Brooks at Black Falls. I'm Declan Kruger. This has been your Sports 1440 Update.